We're going to continue that series. I want you to turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Keep that place and then turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Those are two foundational passages of Scripture concerning the rapture of the church. And I want us to uh, continue this theme today. Also, at the end of the service today, we're having a baptism. So that's exciting. Amen. Did you guys get the kinks worked out? I don't see anything, so I guess not. Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians and uh, read the passage there first in the fourth chapter. Look at the 13th verse. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Aren't you thankful today as Christians that we have a genuine hope? We know that this life isn't all that there is. We know that there is a heaven to gain. That we will be with the Lord forever. That's what, that's what uh, Paul's referring to here. We, we don't struggle with that loss of hope, but we have a genuine hope. Look at verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. Those, that's the believers that have passed away and are in the presence of the Lord now. They're going to come back with Him. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Church, there should not be one Christian that is living in fear when it comes to their attitude towards living in the last days. Paul says here, comfort one another with these words. It should bring comfort to us. As we, as we read about the things that have been prophesied in Scripture that are going to take place in this world, it doesn't bring fear because we know who holds our tomorrow. We know who's in control. We know that the Lord is on the throne and in control. Amen? So even if we do face some tribulation, trials, whatever we're facing, church, these words comfort us. That God's in control. He's coming back for His church. We're going to meet Him in the air. And we're going to be with Him forever. Amen. Amen. Now turn with me to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Another great passage. Verse 50. We'll start with verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. 
We shall not all sleep, and he's referring to death, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Church, we're going to have a glorified body. (laughs) The older I get, the more I'm looking forward to that glorified body. Amen. When Bruce just about killed me hunting two weeks ago, I needed a glorified body. (laughs) I'm never going to let him live that down. Verse 53. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruption has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Does anybody have victory through the Lord Jesus Christ today? Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Now, this is important. Look at this. He's telling us how we should be living right now. How we should live in the last days. Therefore, my brethren, be steadfast. Don't be wishy-washy. Be steadfast. Know the Word of God. Know that you have a relationship with Him. Know that He's with you no matter what we face. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding. What is our work? We're to be the light and we're to be the salt. Knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. Last week we... we, began this series, and we started in Matthew chapter 24. If you weren't here, I encourage you to to go to the uh, uh, website and to watch the first in the series. There were several things that we covered that were important. We looked at Matthew 24 and verse 32, where Jesus gives the parable of the fig tree. And you'd be hard-pressed to find a Bible scholar that does not believe that that parable that Jesus was speaking of was about the rebirth of Israel that took place May the 14th, 1948. And at the end of that uh, parable, he says in verse 34, Assuredly I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. And he was referring to the second coming of Christ. That was the context. We also noted that The Christians are experiencing tribulation even today as we speak. I gave you some statistics how that eight Christians a day are martyred simply because they believe in Jesus Christ around the world. There's over 260 million Christians that are living in persecuted countries today. Countries where they're imprisoned. Countries where they're beaten. Countries where they're murdered for their faith. Countries where they they burn down churches. Where they disperse Christians. It's similar persecution to what the early church experienced. And, And it's difficult to tell those Christians 
today that they're not going to experience any tribulation because they're in the middle of tribulation. We also noted last week that in the Western church we have been taught that we won't experience any tribulation, that we'll be caught out of here before the tribulation period begins. And we went a little into depth in that. And church, I'm not trying to come against someone who believes in pre-tribulation. I'm ready for Jesus to come now. Amen. Amen? And Lord, I'm living my life like He could come any moment. Because that's what He tells us to do. But at the same time, I, I'm listening to Him and I'm, I'm preparing and saying, Lord, if You would have me do anything, whatever I'm going to go through, Lord, I want to hear Your voice. I want to have Your guidance and Your direction, Lord. Because... I don't know when you're going to come. I hope it's tomorrow. I hope it's today. I hope it's right now. But Lord, if, if I live my lifetime and I begin to experience some tribulation, Lord, I know that you're with me. You'll never leave me and never forsake me. And you will take care of me. Amen? In Matthew 24, again, at the end of Jesus' teaching in this passage, in verse 42, He says, Watch therefore, for you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. Therefore you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Church, if anyone tells you they know when Jesus is going to return, they don't. Scripture makes that clear. Now, do we, do we see the signs that are taking place around us today? Do we see what's happening in the world? Yes. Do we know, know that we're drawing closer and closer to the return of Jesus? Yes. Are we called to live a life that says Jesus could come back today, so I'm going to live my life for Him with all my strength? Amen? Also note in Matthew 24, verse 29. Go to verse 29. He says, um, listen to this, what Jesus is saying here. He says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And He will send His angels with a great sound of, of a trumpet and they will gather together His elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So I do not believe, church, we covered many scriptures last week. I do not believe that we should be dogmatic in our theology when it comes back to the return of the Lord. But I know there are well-known, famous pastors that will have charts that will go from one side of the auditorium to the other. I respect them. I love them. I enjoy their preaching. But as for me, I'm not going to be dogmatic because in Scripture I read so many other verses that lead me to believe that the church can experience tribulation and is at this very moment. So when we read these passages, I don't want to be dogmatic. 
And I'll tell you another reason why. Because when Jesus prophesied his resurrection to his disciples, those that were right there with him, several times he prophesied his resurrection to them. But when he died on the cross, were they expecting the resurrection? No, they were hiding together in a house. It wasn't until after the fulfillment of the resurrection that they went, oh my goodness, he told us this, right? And if you study biblical prophecy, church, that's what happens. It's, it's, we see it fulfilled and then we look back and we see all of the prophecies in Scripture and how it all lined up together. And so if the disciples didn't have a clue of the resurrection, but yet Jesus was telling them prophetically it was going to happen, then I don't think that we should dogmatically say this is when the church is going to go up. Are you with me? Amen. But today I want to talk to you about five things that are definite concerning the rapture of the church. There are things that we have in Scripture that we know without a doubt are going to take place in the rapture of the church. So I want you to to think about these five things. First of all, we do know that Jesus Christ is coming back for His church. Amen? We know! We know! We know (laughs) there is no doubt in the heart of a Christian that Jesus is returning for his church. I'll give you just one passage. Acts chapter 1, verse 10 through 11. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, this is when Jesus was ascending in the clouds, leaving the church. It says, Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, Two angels who said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, everybody say that with me. This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Jesus physically ascended into heaven. He ascended from this earth and went up into the clouds and then out of their sight. Jesus is going to return in the same manner. He is going to descend through the clouds and He's coming back for His church. Amen. He ascended from His church and He's coming back for His church. I love that. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is in John chapter 14. Where Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Church, don't let your hearts be troubled. This passage speaks to you. Amen. It's a promise to you from Jesus. So we don't live in fear. We don't live with our hearts in turmoil and trouble. We believe in God and we believe in Jesus. Amen. 
He went up from his church and he's coming back for his church. I pray today that there's not one of us that leaves this church today that doesn't have a certainty in our heart that we know Jesus is coming again for us. Amen? Some people try to spiritualize it in the sense of Jesus won't come that way, but the scripture we just read says he will physically come. The same Jesus who ascended is going to descend through the clouds and come and meet his church. The second thing I want us to know for certain, the church will be caught up with him. There is a rapture. Now you say, well, pastor, I've heard that the word rapture isn't in the Bible. And it's not. But the idea, the concept is, it's found in 1 Thessalonians. We read it a moment ago. Chapter 4, verse 17. Scripture says, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. It says we're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. What a tremendous promise. Amen? So the word rapture that we use talks about a, a moment of, of great joy and ecstasy. And some people would say, I, I was just raptured by the, by the uh, music of that great orchestra. That's one way we would use the word. Or raptured by someone's beauty or the beauty of God's creation. The idea is there that we are going to be caught up and church, it is going to be a moment of great Joy and ecstasy. Amen? It's going to be a wonderful moment when we're carried out of this world and we, we're, we're in the presence of Jesus. Now the word there in the Greek is harpazo. And the word there literally means to seize, to, to catch away, to pluck, to pull, or to take. And it's actually a violent term that's used. Now in Acts chapter 8 verse 39, we have probably the best illustration of the rapture. It's when Philip had gone to the eunuch and he was teaching him the meaning of the scripture, led him to the Lord and baptized him. And in verse 39, it says, Now when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away the same Greek word, harpazo, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. So there's a physical transference of Philip by the Spirit. He was there with the eunuch, and all of a sudden he's gone, and he's taken to another city to begin ministry there. That's the picture that we have from Scripture of what's going to take place at the rapture of the church. How many like that idea? Some of you are saying, but I'm scared of heights. <laughs> you won't be, I guarantee it. In Alaska, we have another great illustration. A lot of us have probably been out in nature and we've witnessed the great eagles soaring and swooping down and snatching their prey and that's the same way that 
the Greek word is used. I, I've seen it. I've seen eagles swoop down over a, a lake or stream and just snatch a, a fish and just take off just in an instant. And that's the picture of what the rapture is going to be like for us. In, uh, there's one other illustration I'll give you right quick. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, the same Greek word, harpazo, is used, but it's used in a little different way. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Take it by force is, is, is in the interpretation of harpazo in this verse. So it's a, it's a snatching again. And I love this verse because it's talking about those that are passionate, that, want, that are bold in the Lord, that the kingdom of God allows us to, to press in, to draw close, and to lay hold of the kingdom of God. Amen? How many want to do that today? Amen? Now there are those that try to spiritualize this. They'll, they'll take this passage in, in 1 Thessalonians and they'll say, well, I think that that's talking about when someone gets saved. That because we're, 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 we're positionally seated with Jesus. So they think, they try to spiritualize the text. Others will say, well, I think it's when we die because everybody has their own personal rapture at, at, at death because to be absent from the Lord, the, the, absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. So they try to spiritualize it. But church, if you read all of the, the context, you read the other verses that, that we've studied concerning the rapture, it doesn't fit. It's going to be a literal rapture. The church is going to be caught up. So the church will be caught up with Jesus. The third thing I want us to know for certain today, the days of Jesus' coming will be as the days of Noah. Jesus made this very clear in Luke chapter 17, verse 26 through 30. He said, And as, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate. Now this is interesting. A lot of people hear about Noah, but they forget about this passage about Lot. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So we know that it's going to be similar to what it was in days of Noah, in the days of Lot. What was taking place? People were just going about their lives. They weren't interested in God. They were, were, could care less about the things of God and the spiritual things. In both of these periods of time, they were seeking their own pleasure, seeking their own uh, worldly lust. They, they weren't interested in the things of God. And we see that taking place today. Just y yesterday, I was reading an article that talked about how that one of the uh, TV personalities was mocking 
President Trump's choice for the uh, position on the Supreme Court simply because she was Catholic. He was mocking her faith. He was ridiculing her for being Catholic and being a believer. Church, we're living in those days. We see, and I'm not trying to get political, that's not the point. I'm just saying we're living in those days. Amen? We're living in a world that is more interested in, in, in I, I want to make an, another business deal. I want to start another business. I want to have a bigger house. I want to have uh, this and that. And they're living for pleasure. And I'm not saying, church, you can't have a nice house. I'm not saying you can't have toys. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, Scripture says. But I'm saying those things can't be what life is about. And in these last days, we're seeing that push more and more, where it's more about our portfolio. It's more about the money that we have in the bank. It's about our 401k. It's about how much gold and diversity we have in our savings. It's all about these material things instead of spiritual things. And church, the one thing we need to see in all of this study is Jesus is coming back for those who are, who are looking forward to His return. Those who have a relationship with Him. Amen? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18, again, it says, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another with these words. And I want to turn to another passage in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Here, specifically, Paul is teaching... And he's writing to Timothy, the young pastor, and he's talking about the last days. He says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. I don't believe that if the church was not going to experience any perilous times, that he would be warning Timothy. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. All those things describe the world that we live in today. And then he says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Church, it's very sad, but there are those that meet together as a, the church of Jesus Christ that are not allowing the power of God to work in their lives, to transform them, to enable them to be who God wants them to be today. Instead, they have a form of godliness. They go through the rituals. They go through the motions. Church, coming, coming every Sunday, every Sunday night, every Wednesday, every time the doors are open, is not going to save you, and it's not going to get you to heaven. It's not about a form of godliness. It's about an encounter with the true and the living Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? It's about opening your heart to Him and saying, Lord, I need You. Lord, I fail. I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes. But Lord Jesus, come into my life. Cleanse me with Your precious blood. Lord, 
Just transform me. Take me from that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the light of God's dear Son. Amen. He's coming back for a church that's watching and waiting and anticipating Him. Society today is not interested in God. Their focus is on the pleasures of life. In church, that's what we're living in today. Don't let it be where you are today. Amen? Don't get caught up in that. The fourth thing, the third thing was the days of Jesus are of coming or as the days of Noah and Lot. The fourth thing, God has appointed uh, has not appointed us to wrath. Hallelujah! <laughs> Amen. The wrath of God is coming to this world. This world's going to be tested. This world's going to be judged. And God is going to pour out his wrath upon this world but he guarantees us that the church is not going to experience his wrath first thessalonians chapter 5 verse 9 for god did not appoint us to wrath but to obtain salvation through our lord jesus christ in luke 21 36 we already noted it Jesus said, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all those things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Hey, it's a good thing to escape God's wrath. Amen? Jesus said this in Luke chapter 21 at the end of his discourse on the Mount of Olives. He had just warned about the deception that's going to be taking place in the world at that time. Church, there's been no greater need for every Christian to know God's Word, to be sensitive to His Spirit than now. Because Jesus warned over and over that deception is going to be prevalent. He also talked about wars. He talked about earthquakes, famines, plagues. Fearful sights and signs from heaven. And then he talked about persecution. But in verse 13, in, in chapter 21 of Luke, I want you to see this. What does he say? But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. I want to read that again. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Church, we're entering into one of the greatest opportunities in humanity's history to share the love and the life of Jesus. Because people see what's taking place. They see the, the disunity. They see all of the disruption in our nation. They see everything that's going on. And they, they, they don't know Jesus. And there's fear that's taking hold in their lives. So it's an opportunity for the church to rise up and say, I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right. They're going to look at the church and say, what is wrong with you? Can't you see what's going on? And you just keep on singing. I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right. 
Why? Because we have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. It's guarding our hearts and our minds. And we recognize it's an opportunity to tell the world today, hey, my Lord's coming back for me. It's not going to be long. He's going to catch me away to be with Him. And I'm going to spend eternity with Him in glory. I know my eternal destination. So I'm not afraid. It doesn't matter what happens. He's in control. I've read, I, God gave us the book of Revelation, assuring us we win. Yeah. Amen. Amen. There's some difficult things taking place. And a lot of that wrath, we, like we said, with wrath, we're not going to experience that. But no matter how difficult things get, we win. And it's an opportunity to testify. Testify. Church, I know some of you say, well, pastor, I, I want to, but I'm just so shy and I'm, I, I just can't share my faith. And you, you, you say, I just, I just have a real problem with that, pastor. I, I want people to know Jesus. I do, and I pray for them. But when it comes to me sharing about Jesus, I, I, I'm worried about just being pushed away. I'm worried about what people will say or think about me. Church, we're living in a time when we need to get over that. Because that's not God. He, Jesus, that passage we just read, it's time to testify. It's testify. Testify of the goodness of God. It also says in that passage that men's hearts will fail them for fear of the things that are coming. But he ends that great message again with verse 36. Watch therefore and pray. Watch therefore and pray. So church, we're not going to experience the wrath of God. We can rejoice in that. We don't have to be afraid. And the fifth thing I want to share with you is that we have a clear assignment. We talked about it last week. So many times we just want to say, well, Lord, just get me out of this mess. Lord, I, I want to get out of this mess. Anytime now, Lord, come on and get me out of this mess. And it's not about getting out of the mess of this world. It's about keeping our eyes on Jesus and wanting to go and be in His presence with Him. But we have an assignment in Matthew 24, verse 42. We just read it. Watch therefore, for you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So we are to watch. That's an expectation you know, we're watching what's going on in the Middle East with Israel, and we're watching what's going on around us in the world, but we're keeping our eyes on Jesus, knowing that He could come for His bride at any moment. In Matthew 25, verse 1, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins. Now Jesus is continuing. We're going to end with this. 
So those that are getting baptized, if you want to slip out, you can. But we're going to end with this. Jesus is still in the context of His second coming. And look, He gives us another parable about the ten virgins. And I want to end with this. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. Now I want to address something right there. Jesus is not telling us to be selfish and stingy. The context of this is oil. The oil represents the Holy Spirit. It represents a relationship with God. What Jesus is saying there is, I can't be ready for you. You have to be ready on your own. Your wife can't be ready for you. You have to be ready on your own. Kids, you have to be ready on your own. It's not about your, relation, your mom's relationship or your dad's relationship with the Lord. It's not about grandpa or grandma's relationship with the Lord. It's about your relationship with the Lord. We have to be wise. We have to have that relationship with Him. Verse 10. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with Him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But He answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. First of all, we need to make sure, church, that we do not have the attitude that our Master is delaying His coming. In saying everything that I've talked about the last two Sundays, it's not to tell you that you can just live like you want to and not really worry about it because Jesus isn't coming yet. That's not it at all. We have to watch and be ready. We have to watch and be ready. But in this parable, the focus of the wise virgins was on the Lord. Their focus was on the Lord. And it's about people that are excited about His coming. Amen? A bride that is waiting, anticipating the bridegroom to come. And, and finally, I want us to note this. Unless a person has a current work of God's Spirit in his life, he's not ready for Christ's coming. That's clear in this text. Jesus said to the virgins, 
whose oil was running out. I do not know you. The door was shut and they weren't allowed in. So church, we need to make sure we continue to have that passionate relationship with God. Amen. Church, He's coming. (laughs) He's coming. And I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right. (laughs) Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. So we're to watch and we're to be ready. And we're going to continue this study. There's other things about the end times that we need to study. So I hope that you can come again uh, next Sunday. We're going to continue this study. But today we have something special. We're going to have an altar time in just a moment. But before then, we're, I'm going to ask the guys to raise the screen and we're going to have a, have a baptismal service. Pastor Milk calling Pastor Lyle. Anybody home? Well, come on, worship team. I guess they're a little slower than I thought. We'll sing a worship song while they're getting ready. Do you love the Lord? Do you want to comfort one another with the words that God's given us? Amen. Amen. I want you just to bow your heads with me and as the worship team, they're going to begin to lead us in a, in a chorus in just a second. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, I thank You for all those that are anticipating Your appearance. And Lord, I thank You Lord, that we can just keep our eyes on You. Watch with excitement and ready ourselves. And Lord, I thank You that we're not going to experience the wrath of God. And Lord, I thank You for the certainty that You are going to come and catch Your church up to be with You forever. Lord, I'm thankful that we are not to let our hearts be troubled, but to believe in God and to believe in Jesus. (laughs) And Lord, I thank You today. Lord, there are over 260 million Christians around the world that are in tribulation this moment. Lord, we lift them up to You right now. Lord, we pray for supernatural strength. Lord, I pray that You would just let the church rise up in the boldness that we've seen in the past when persecution comes. Lord, I pray that multitudes would come to know Christ in the midst of the persecution, in the midst of the tribulations. Lord, that Your church would love them into the kingdom of God. 
Lord, that Your church would rise up and we would testify of the goodness of God. We would testify that we win because of Jesus. That we have the victory because of Christ. But Lord, we lift that church up that's under persecution right now. And we pray for supernatural strength. We pray for supernatural encouragement. We pray for Your hand of protection upon them. We pray that You would lead them and guide them and direct them. Give them wisdom during this time. And Lord, just keep Your hand on them. See them through. See them through to victory. And Lord, if the persecution comes to the United States like it is in other parts of the world. Lord, I pray that the Western church would rise up. Lord, I pray that we would be Christians that would still be the light and be the salt. Lord, that we would trust You knowing that You will never leave us and never forsake us. That we would hear Your voice and follow Your voice. Lord, that You would lead and guide and direct us. And in these last days, that our testimony can go forth with a greater Holy Spirit power than ever before. Lord, that we wouldn't be ashamed of the Gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to those who believe. So Lord, I bless the church today. I bless everyone here. Every single person, every family that's represented here today. I bless them in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that we would just rise up and share the love and the life of our Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Mitch, would you lead? Oh, they're ready? Okay. There's Pastor Lyle. Our first candidate is Norman. Norman, would you like to share your testimony? Just a very short version. <laughs> Last year was the first time I got baptized. As I was standing in here, I was giving, giving it all to the Lord, but I wasn't finished. I was already being pulled up, but I was grateful I've been through it, and today I'm giving the rest of it and living, giving my life to the Lord. Amen. Amen.
I do. First, I want to say, hi, Orion. I wish you were here. <laughs> There's a lot of people in my life that need Jesus, and I want him to use me to bring them to you, Lord. And that is my biggest wish, my hopes and my dreams, is to bring people that I know to Jesus. Effie, on your confession of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of our Savior's death, and raised in the likeness of His resurrection. Amen. Amen. Isn't that exciting, church? I want you to stand with me. and We're a church that believes in prayer and believes in praying one for another. So I'm going to, as we close today, I'm going to invite the prayer team to line across the back and some across the front. And if there's something that you would like to bring and agree with them in prayer today, I want to encourage you to do that as we just begin to worship for a few minutes. If you're not sure where you stand in the Lord, I pray that today you would make that commitment to Him. Maybe you've kind of drifted away and you need to recommit your life today like Effie did. Or maybe you have another need. Or like Effie just said, she's got lots of friends Lots of people in her life that don't know Jesus and she wants them to come to know Him. Maybe you'd like to come and just have someone agree with you and intercede for them today. Will you come? Will you come?